House come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker, and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn, and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. Welcome to Capital Ideas. This is where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus and the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. We're catching up today with Representative Tina Orwall. She's worked for constituents in Washington's 33rd Legislative District since 2009. That's a diverse district that includes Des Moines, where Tina lives, SeaTac, Normandy Park, and good-sized portions of Burien and Kent. She's the Speaker Pro Tem of the State House of Representatives, and you can usually find her presiding over debates on the House floor. Today we're talking about SeaTac International Airport, which sits in Tina's district, and jet airplanes, and the fuel they burn, and the invisible air pollution that seems to be an inescapable byproduct of SeaTac's explosive growth. We talked on Monday, January 27, 2020, and here are the good parts. Welcome back, Representative Tina Orwall. It's good to have you back here on Capital Ideas. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. We've talked about a number of issues in the past. These were things that largely dealt with sort of human problems. And this really does deal with a human problem, but it's also something gigantic because it deals with jet airplanes and international airports. And that is the issue of ultrafine particles. I don't think most people know what that is. It is a new issue for us to tackle. In fact, when you talk about ultrafine particles are not even regulated by the FAA or the EPA. They're really kind of a new way of looking at the pollution that we're seeing around airports. The University of Washington has done studies in LAX and Atlanta, and so we decided we should have them look at our airport. What kind of studies are these? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, just to let you know, you know, I was approached by constituents that were worried about air quality and asthma. And of course, my son grew up with a lot of asthma problems and he'd come home from school sick. And it never occurred to me that it could be related to pollution from airplanes. And I just think about our kids and elderly and what we're breathing. And so when I went to, um, to meet with the constituents, they said, you know, the University of Washington has been looking at this issue and they may be the first in the country. And so when they started looking, they were trying to differentiate pollution from fuels from jet planes from cars and other things that pollute. And they realized, and what they actually call is ultra-ultrafine, and when we're talking about these very, very tiny levels of pollution, and I think one of the challenges is they come down very concentrated, they're associated with jet A fuels, and they're easily absorbed into the body because they're so small. They, they cross the blood-brain barrier, they're easily absorbed into the lungs, and we're finding out that they're related to diseases around inflammation. You know, as we're learning more about it, and they can actually associate with the jet A fuel, you know, we've been having our state and county Department of Health start looking at, well, what health conditions are related to this, and what do we know? And they've been doing a literature search across the world. And then we have our King County Department of Health that's starting to look locally in these areas to see what are the health conditions of people that live around airports. We should probably establish at this point that 
Seattle-Tacoma International Airport is in your district. It is, and it's a huge employer. This is the sixth fastest growing airport in the country. And a lot of our growth has been with cargo as well as passenger. And so we're like double the expectations of the growth they thought we would have in the last five years. And it's, it's estimated it's just going to go up, um, that we're going to con- you know, continue to see growth in, in air travel. One of the things that you did last session was to get some money into the state operating budget for a study of this issue to find out really what are we talking about. You know, facts matter. And I wonder what the status of that study is at the moment. The University of Washington, actually we call it the the move-on study, uh, just came out with their report. It was the first phase of study. And what they were able to do is they were able to look at what the footprint around an airport is. They measured in, in numerous areas. They had some that were um, monitoring in cars that drove around and some were stationary. And they looked at these level of ultrafine particles, which takes a certain system, right, to actually to do this. And what they found is they, be, they come down from the plane and they're very concentrated and they don't dissipate other like other kind of pollution. So they're actually concentrated to the ground. And so they were able to, by all this monitoring, actually establish the, the footprint and they can distinguish it from the pollution that we see off I-5 or from vehicles, which is much larger particle size. What are some of the problems that are attributed to the presence of these ultrafine particles? They look at a lot of diseases related to inflammation. And, and one of the things that hadn't occurred to me right away, I always think of asthma and a lot of breathing disorders, which it is associated, but also like cardiac disease is inflammation, different brain cancers. And so there, there's potentially a number of diseases that could be linked to this. And we get to sort of piggyback on studies that have been done in Switzerland, for example. I'm not sure why, but for some reason, Switzerland really was out in front on this issue. Yeah, they've been looking at it in Europe longer than we have. So we're fairly new to look at this issue. And I think one of our challenges is there just hasn't been done a lot of research done. Part of when you look at an issue, you have to say, well, what's the solution? Like, what's the answer? What do you do now that you know it exists? And so I think a lot of our next steps are, one, is to look at what's the indoor quality. We know it's outdoor, but is it also in high concentrations in our homes? And what are our options both on outdoor and indoor quality? So some of the things that are being discussed is like the use of biofuels. Um, we're having our congressional staff look at this at the federal level as well, but are, are the biofuels, you know, have a less amounts of ultrafine particles? So again, as we use cleaner fuels, we'll have cleaner air. Uh, indoor quality, do you need HEPA filters? What kind of ventilation systems do you need? And so some of our next steps will be going into schools and starting uh, measuring the air quality in schools. I'm talking about filters, I think this would have to be one heck of a filter because just for the sake of the listeners, I will point out something I learned in my research, which is that an ultrafine particle is defined as one that is below 100 nanometers. And a nanometer is a billionth of a meter. And just to give some kind of context, an average human hair is about 80,000 nanometers thick compared to 100 for these ultrafine particles that we're talking about. That's really tiny. It is very small, and, and I think the bad news of the size is that is that whole thing of the body can absorb it. One of the things the scientists shared with me is they also think because they're so small in nature, they bounce around a lot, and they actually might 
have more of an ability to be filtered out than some of the larger pollution. So again, you know, I think um, we need to study more, you know, how we filtrate it out, but there, there may be some good news about getting our indoor air quality better. Uh, in addition to this, you've got something that I think is pretty closely related that you're working on, which is establishing a commission to to come up with a a recommendation for where Washington State should site an additional regional airport based on the fact that SeaTac is just getting too busy. Yes, yes. And I had teamed up with Senator Kaiser on this, and she's been a leader on this for years. She did the original study, I think it was 30 years ago, when the study said we should study it more. Uh, we're at the point where we're beyond studying because the capacity for an airport that's surrounded by residential is limited. Uh, you have limited airspace, you have limited um, capacity to grow, and so, and the impact obviously is so great on a community of with so many flights during the day. And so, yes, so there was a bill where we're bringing just an incredible group together. We've had a couple meetings already, and again, the number one goal is to say what area of the state can we drill down, starting with six possible locations and eventually going to two and then to one of where we could site a, a new regional commercial airport. Again, it may not necessarily be an international airport, but it certainly needs to be able to handle a large volume of traffic. And if you look at our economy and the growth, you can just see, you know, in the next 20 years, we're going to, again, have this huge increase of need. So we could have a second airport and it would be at capacity soon. So that clearly there's enough to support it. I think we also realize that we have a lot of airports around the state. We have Moses Lake, which has like the, the longest landing strip in the state, actually. It does a lot of military functions. They also could potentially be doing cargo, right? They, they have agriculture down there, and, and often they send that cargo from eastern Washington to SeaTac and then international. Well, maybe there's a way of just doing a direct flight. And so we're looking at cargo, other locations, and do we just need to also kind of extend other airports capacity as well as siting a second airport? So we're trying to think regionally of just what makes sense for the growth of the state. This is a very short session. When I say I'd like to get back to you at the end of the session, that just means let's talk again in a few weeks because I'd like to be able to let listeners know how this is turning out, at least at that point. Thank you. Now we have some key steps, and I appreciate uh, you looking at this issue. It's really important to, to our community and to our state. Thank you, Tina, for joining Capital Ideas, and we'll talk to you again soon. In the words of Walter Cronkite, that's the way it is. If you feel like this was a worthwhile use of your time and attention, you can subscribe to Capital Ideas at housedemocrats.wa.gov, and we're on just about every podcast platform you can think of. What we're talking about here is your state government. What happens here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.